This episode is sponsored by Brooklyn Candle. Female-owned and founded by Tamara Main in 2013, Brooklyn Candle offers luxury home fragrance products at an accessible price point. Everything is handmade in Brooklyn, and the fragrances were all inspired by travel and nature, moments, and memories. Now, they're also doing things responsibly. All of the candles are 100% soy wax, plant-based, and renewable. All products are free from phthalates, parabens, sulfates, petroleum, and dyes, and the beautiful vessels, the jars that they come in can be reused and repurposed. They also limit plastic in production and have none in shipping. So everything is clean. And like I said, they're doing things responsibly. My biggest thing, of course, all of these things are important, is that when I walk into my room and the Santal diffuser hits me, I immediately feel more at peace and more at calm. Um, there's, there's just something about scent, especially that takes us to a different vibration, a different place. Um, so if you want to experience Brooklyn Candle, head on over to brooklyncandlestudio.com and be sure to use my code motherhood20 to save. Well, hello, Lahana. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. I mean, you definitely caught my attention um, when you reached out and said, hey, I would love to talk about this on the show because I feel like we haven't really gotten into this, which is crazy because this is a show for women and mothers and these are major issues that people are facing. Um, And before we get into all of that, I always start with the origin story of the guest. So what what are the events in your life that led you to doing this type of work, your passion? Yeah, speaking of motherhood, <laughs> um, we started having kids really young. So I was 17 when I had my son. He's almost 12, um, which is crazy to think about. And then we have our daughter. But um, being a young mom, I think that started to shift the way that I was thinking about my life and raising a healthy kid. And I was always in pre-med. So I've had a love for healthcare in general since I was five, which is crazy. I was one of those people, always knew what I kind of wanted to do. And then it wasn't until I had a kid and just being in the pre-med classes of a pill for every ill this is what happens when someone comes in with diabetes. This is the medication. And like something didn't sit right with me. And I was like, well, I don't want my kid to be another statistic in the healthcare. Like I want to raise him healthy. And I was forced to take a nutrition class and I wasn't even completely sold on it, but I started to see the power of food as medicine. And then, you know, I was like, let's do it. Let's change my major. Like this sounds good. This sounds more aligned with what I'm wanting in a career, how I want to leave an impact and how I want to raise my kids. So this is like a win, win, win for all of us. And yeah, I guess that's how history was written. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. What was it like? Was it something that the professor said or something that you read where it just really resonated and you were like, okay, like this makes way more sense than a pill for every ill. No, I don't, can't think of one specific moment. It was just seeing the intricacy of how food literally plays a part in every single aspect of our health um, because it is the raw building blocks of creating hormones or digestion or creating neurotransmitters. And I mean, in so many different aspects, we literally would not be alive without nutrition. And I just think that seeing the power in my brain of like, okay, well, instead of putting a pill on it, is it the body actually speaking to you? Something's wrong. Can we really dial it back? Even if we have to dial it back to like cellular energy and mitochondria health, what we learned in high school bio 
could there be a solution for that? Is there something that's missing in the amount of raw ingredients we have? Just something. And I don't know. I think it just like kind of clicked for me of like, yeah, this is it. If we keep asking why and keep unpeeling the root back, it really does boil down to food and our lifestyle. So obviously, you know, other things like stress and our environment and all that stuff plays a role too. But I am an Enneagram 8. So with me, I'm like control. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yes, please. Anything that can give me control, I'm, I'm for it. No, I totally agree. And like, I'm right there with you. And I think too, especially as mothers, like the onus is on us to really not only protect ourselves and be advocates for our own health, but to really then step up there and be there for our kids and to really block them for from everything negative that's coming from, you know, the medical community, you know, and, and just going along with whatever someone who just met them for five minutes is telling you what to do. It's like we have so much more intuition and knowledge for our kids than, you know, someone with a degree. And I know that might be a little polarizing, but I have found that my kids have been extremely healthy, rarely, rarely go to the doctor because we've put nutrition at the forefront of their health and we're making sure that they do have those building blocks and their health is a testament to that. And we're, we're so blessed because of that. So yeah, like you work with so many women, what, what is the issue that you see coming up the most, you know, the, the not disease, but the issue that's blocking them from really great health? Yeah. I mean, to the root of it, like I said, it's definitely a combination of like their diet, their lifestyle being definitely more stressed. And even for us that say, oh, we're not stressed. I think we've just learned to live a life that's more stressed. We actually don't know what it's like to rest. So it's like normal. So some of us are like, we're not stressed, but actually when we really peel it back, I'm like, no, you're totally stressed. So stress and environment. But when women come to see us, we're seeing all of these things. And again, peeling all the way back we usually can land in the into the foundations of nutrition and their life. But they come to us because they're struggling to lose weight. They're always tired. They have a lot of brain fog. They are having irregular or painful cycles, which, you know, I don't think we ever learned about in high school. I think we initially thought like, oh, take a my doll. It's just a normal part of being a woman when that's actually not normal to have a painful cycle. Um you know, and then the diagnoses, PCOS, endometriosis, IBS, just all these things that, again, the solution is birth control or just a medication to for your IBS. But it's like, well, why is your bowel irritable in the first place? Bloating, constipation, diarrhea, those are the most common things that like people are coming to see us for. And it is just pretty amazing to really unpack it. And we actually have quite a few women who are relatively pretty like healthy in the sense of like, they're not eating in a standard American diet. They're actually eating really good food, but we're also stuck in this diet culture of everyone's just trying to fit a personalized thing into keto or low carb or like whatever, whatever is the new diet on on, nowadays Mm -hmm. or what worked for their neighbor, Kathy. And they just still aren't getting results, even if they're eating low carb, but like, is that for you? Not really. I mean, probably isn't. And so that's what we're trying to break the barrier of just like all the standard dietary things that are booming. It's like, well, what's, what does your body want? What works for your body? And we need to like really personalize it because it is, it's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I totally agree with that. I mean, what's the first step? Is it like a questionnaire that they fill out? Like, are they, are they tracking every single thing that they're eating or is it sleep? Is it like, how comprehensive is it to get that full picture? Because I feel like to the woman listening to this, it's like, okay, I'm definitely not feeling my best. 
I'm not going to accept that just because I'm getting older. This is how it's supposed to be like, screw that. What, what are some things that they should be looking at, at that initial stage to kind of get a full picture of what's going on with them? Oh yeah, definitely don't fall for that. I'm getting older. That I, I see 80 year olds mm-hmm. that take care of themselves and honestly, they're stronger than me. So like, I think the whole, I'm just getting older is such a lie and I don't want anyone to ever settle for that. But yes, we start off with a, well, we just start off with a discovery call before we ever have any new patients. Cause we just want to one, make sure we can help you. And two, that will give us an idea of like where to start. And we usually start based on like symptoms. So if there is a lot of GI stuff, like whether it's bloating, diarrhea, constipation, gassiness, acid reflux, anything going on with your GI, we actually love to start there because it really is start healing from the inside out. And a lot of things like hormones and all that stuff will tend to like start to balance once you address gut health. Um, so we love to start GI. That's not every single place. Um, it really just depends on the symptoms that you're struggling with and like journaling that and noting that. Um, and then with food, I mean, oh gosh, there's so many places you can start. Um, but I think if you really want to keep it simple is assessing how much food are you eating that you could answer, I can grow it or can I kill it? If you're definitely answering like, no, most of the things I can't grow or I can't kill, it definitely comes from like a lab, then that, you know, that's a huge red flag of where we need to start. And we always like to start with food and we'll unpeel the other layers like stress and environmental toxins and movement. We'll peel those back too, but I really do love to start with food first and just see what happens from there. So once once you get a full picture of the diet, you know, say, you know, she's eating 70% processed foods, 30%, I could grow it or kill it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to start making changes. How soon do you start to see um, the benefit from switching over to a more firsthand food lifestyle? Is it a week? Is it a month? Like how, what do you see in the women that you treat? Yeah, actually, it's pretty immediate. Um, Within a couple weeks, for sure. Um, It's not the end all be all where that's it and they're good. Um, It definitely every, every journey is a roller coaster. 100% 100% expect plateaus, 100% expect downs, 100% expect ups. And I think just re-understanding that because I think a lot of women go into it of like, oh, I'm feeling good. Oh, no, I'm feeling bad again. Oh, no, I'm feeling good. Like it is a roller coaster. And what we want to see is like taking a step back and just seeing the overall like you're growing, you're getting better, but it's absolutely going to be like many ups and downs. And we just have to understand that. But definitely starting to see movement within the first couple of weeks for sure. Wow. Wow. And then I know you also address issues of toxicity and and just the toxins that we're bombarded with all the time. Um, I would imagine when you start removing these processed foods, you're, you really kind of get into that detox mode. Can you talk about that and how that actually affects hormones? Yes. Um, once you clean up, because diet is a huge part of a environmental toxin exposure, um, you know, like buying organic, that is the perk of buying organic. You're not getting exposed to things like Roundup that's harming hormones. Um, but it's definitely not just diet. It's absolutely things we're putting on our skin, things we're, you know, it's around our house, our mm-hmm. candles, our cleaning, like what we're breathing in, just somehow getting exposed to it. And, you know, you can't live a perfect world. You know, you step outside and it's polluted. But I am a big fan of what do we have control over? There's my Enneagram and again. What do we have control over? And then how can I change that? Um, and I think that I feel like environmental toxins is kind of a topic that feels a little woo-woo, um, especially if you're new to it. You're like, oh gosh, like, 
here we go. But I, I swear there's so much research behind it, especially for infertility. Um, it's so, so huge. And it's not talked enough about, I will say that's a whole, like a whole tangent, but there, it absolutely affects everything down to the mitochondria, how the hormones produced, blocking how the hormones produced, blocking how, um, or actually upregulating certain hormones like testosterone turning into estrogen. And this is all things like BPA, so the plastics, the receipts we're handling. It is just incredible to see the effect it has on our body. Oh my gosh. Well, we have to go down that tangent because I feel like so many women are trying to get pregnant. They're having issues. They're having miscarriages. And it's like, this wasn't happening 30 years ago. So what are some big, big contributors to that? I mean, you mentioned the receipts. I I was just reading about that actually the other day. So what else should women be avoiding as much as possible in an imperfect world so that they're giving their bodies, if they do want to conceive, the best chance? What, how we're exposed to, like I said, is definitely going to be the pesticides. It's going to be the things we're storing food in. It's going to be the things that we're cooking food in. It's going to be the beauty products, everything from hair to skincare, what we're putting on our body, the candles, the things we're spraying in our yard or, or inside. I know people do inside pest control. Um, oh gosh, our water, um, you know, I feel like who drinks tap water? No judgment if you do, but oh, I'm a type of person that I can like taste all the different waters, but there are people that still drink tap water and we feel like there's comfort in, well, it's filtered, right? Like they wouldn't give us gross, dangerous water. But the thing is like, honestly, water treatment centers hasn't been updated in forever, like decades. And there's been a lot of new chemicals and things. So we're actually getting exposed to not only chemicals and runoffs from spraying farms and it's running off into our water, but we're actually getting exposed to micro doses of like birth control and antibiotics and all these other things in our um, water, which is very dangerous. Um, so again, it's not perfect. It can absolutely feel overwhelming. This is usually something we chat about after we talk food and all the basics because it can feel like, oh my gosh, doomsday is coming. But there's little things that you can do of getting a reverse osmosis for your water um, and at least changing the, the water you're cooking or drinking with. Um, you know, I'm bougie. And so, yes, I want a full house water filter, but you know, I'm taking it step by step myself. And um, changing the beauty products and making sure that the cooking pans we're cooking in, making sure we're not heating up anything in plastic. And we can absolutely make these changes and they do go a long way, even though they seem really little. I know something so strange. I was reading this like five years ago about, you know, having a full house um, filtration system, because when you're in the shower, you're getting hit with all of those chemicals. And even the steam, if it's too hot, like you're breathing in chlorine and you're breathing in all of these toxins. So now like I'm super paranoid about like not making it too hot, like having the door open because it really is like you're gassing yourself with these toxic chemicals. I mean, it's just wild. And I think so many people don't even, it's not even on the radar, you know, cause we do trust so much that the government has our best interest at heart. And it's just simply not true. It's not like, I don't think they're malevolent, but I do think it's just such a bureaucratic institution that positive changes don't necessarily happen as they should just because people are just, you know, doing their government jobs for 30 years and they don't really necessarily care about making big changes. 
This episode is sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas while nursing her second son. So she decided to design her own line. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely, well, we all know being a mom can be tough. It is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and bravery to be a mom. And at Kindred Bravely, they are devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms, from breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas. And I might not be pregnant or nursing, but I can advocate completely for how comfortable their clothing is. I wear the uh, cardigan almost every single day, certainly around the house. And I gifted my sister some leggings. Um, she is pregnant with her third child, and she is absolutely over the moon for them. She wants me to get her some more. So you can get your own and save while you do by using my code UNSTRESS20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, and if any woman is having struggling with getting pregnant, like there's definitely studies that show like women have higher BPA levels. They were more likely to have implantation failure with during IVF um, as an example. So there's absolutely connections there and we should not, you know, disregard or not address it, um, which is why we like to do environmental toxins testing in our practice. We like to take your urine and just see what you're being exposed to, what's really high amounts. We've seen Roundup, we've seen BPA, we've seen different phthalates, parabens, different volatile organic um, compounds. It's, It's definitely a huge part of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's not over-exaggerated because I was, you know, interviewing Dr. Gundry last year and he talked about them finding Roundup in breast milk and Roundup in, you know, the fluids of babies. Like it's already inside of them, you know, causing havoc, you know, and it's, it's just what we're exposed to now. Like it's on such a different level. Um, but let's switch gears a little bit. Um, uh, you also talk about hypothyroidism, Um, and how that affects fertility. Can you first just kind of give us a baseline of what that is and then how that does affect the ability to conceive and carry a pregnancy? Yeah. So our thyroid is like one of the master glands in our body that really affects our metabolism, which is why women who have hypo, which means a low sluggish thyroid, they're going to have low sluggish symptoms. So it's going to be like sluggish weight loss, sluggish poop, so constipation, um, sluggish... um, like blood flow. So they get like cold hands and feet. So everything with hypothyroid is like, just think sluggish. Um, and I guess you can think sluggish ovulation too. Um, but this is something that is totally growing in women. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of multiple components to it, whether it's driven by autoimmune disease, which is technically Hashimoto's, that's the hypothyroid autoimmune, but 80% of hypothyroid patients are actually Hashimoto's. So it's uncovering like, why is your immune system attacking your thyroid? Um, It could be a nutrient deficiency if it's simply just hypothyroid in itself. And maybe you're just lacking that raw material to take you from point A to point B. Um, Stress, I mean, all these things that can influence thyroid function. But how it affects our period is understanding the 
hypothalamus and pituitary, they're two parts of the brain and they speak to the thyroid. Um, and these also will speak to sex hormones and influence that as well. So your hypothalamus talks to your pituitary and your pituitary will demand more TSH and in result also will demand more prolactin, right? Because when your body, when your thyroid sluggish, your brain's like, crap, like we need more, we need to demand more, let's get this pushing um, because the communication is off there. And so yes, thyroid hormone is created because it starts to by if your hypothyroid is going to produce just a little bit, but not enough. But with that prolactin production as well, high prolactin is going to suppress certain hormones that can help you ovulate, like your LH, your GnRH, your FSH. These are all brain hormones, and they tell your ovaries to ovulate. Like it's time for a baby. Like the Super Bowl of our cycle is not our bleed. It is our ovulation. And so because we're having more prolactin, it's absolutely going to affect that brain to brain to ovary communication and you're not going to ovulate. And obviously if you don't ovulate, then you're going to have trouble conceiving. You'll struggle with irregular cycles. And some women don't ovulate at all. And honestly, some women just ovulate too late, but they think they're ovulating earlier. So they're like trying and emphasizing and like they're not even ovulating. So it can be a slippery slope. And so with infertility and ovulation issues, sex hormones are always going to respond to all the other things in your life. They're going to respond to blood sugar. They're going to respond to thyroid. They're going to respond to stress. They're going to respond to things that might be going on in the gut. So even though we're like really eager to hop into like sex hormone balance, we actually need to slow down and assess all those like thyroid and all these other issues because the sex hormones will respond properly when we start at the foundation versus just trying to take progesterone or take estrogen or take birth control. It's like your body's always trying to speak with you. Um, if you're having trouble ovulating or just irregular cycles. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like so many women are in a fight against their bodies. You know, it's not doing what I want it to do. You know, I need to take this pill to get it back in gear. And really it is like the body is speaking to us and like screaming out, you know, this isn't working, please like fix this. And so I like, I know when I was in my twenties, I always kind of like was trying to lose five pounds and, you know, like was doing all the things And it never seemed to work. It was like the second that I just kind of stopped and got into like meditation and yoga, like I started craving healthier foods. I started being more at peace with my body and all of the weight that I was trying to lose, like literally fell off and I haven't thought about it since. And it's been like 10 plus years. So to me, like I understand what you're saying on such a personal level, like a visceral level. And I just hope, you know, to the woman listening to this, like, it's okay if your body is not where you want it to be, but it's it's because it's communicating to you that things aren't right. And there are ways to fix that. I think that that's really important. Like that's, it's really important what you're doing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I totally resonate. And I see that a lot sometimes when we're, and this is why I think getting help is helpful because you're so close to it. You're so close to your body. You're the one waking up every morning. You're the one looking in the mirror, like maybe being unhappy of like, Oh my God, I'm bloated or I'm not losing weight. But really sometimes it is just like a, hold on, like let's take control of what we can take control over and let the rest do itself. Um, because that is such a mental stress. And I've been there too, um, of like, why am I gaining weight? I mean, I, found I had mold. But anyways, um, that's a side note. Uh, But again, 
it was not the obsession and the mental stress of, oh my gosh, I'm gaining weight. It's a, okay, hold on. My body thinks it's a good idea to hold on to weight. I wonder why that is. So let's like start looking into things of why that might be. And actually toxins are stored in your fat. So um, if your body, your body's actually trying to protect you when it's trying to store it in fat. So when it's resistant against weight loss, it's saying, dude, I'm trying to protect you from all these circulating toxins in the body. Like I think when we think of it like that, we just want to give ourselves a hug. Like, thank you for protecting me. Like, even though you're not listening and you're hating me, it's really not. It's trying to protect you. So think of that next time you're feeling frustrated. (laughs) Oh, man, I love that. I love that. Yeah, like when we can turn it on ourselves and just be like, I love you. I know you're fighting for me every single day, not only to keep me alive, but to keep me healthy and strong and you know, living out this life that I'm, I'm here to do, I think that that really can, that shift in perspective really can change how we think about health and wellness as an overall thing, not just physical, but mental as well. What about, um, what about exercise? Cause I feel like obviously that's a big pillar. Nutrition is huge. What about exercise and how that can play into hormones and the thyroid and everything else? I'm really curious. Yes, we I, I love that women love to work out. Don't get me wrong. Um, and obviously there's some women that hate it. And it's like, you got to kind of make that love and because it's so good for us to be active and get our bodies moving and our lymph moving. But we tend to see people that are overdoing it, um, especially in the cardio realm of things. Um, and that's very stressful on the body. And it can be an extra thing on top of other stressors, right? Like there's some things like maybe your marriage is in a rocky situation. Maybe you're in a fight with a friend. Maybe we're in traffic this morning and you're angry. Maybe you have some gut issues and that itself is also, we can't just think of stress external. We also have to think of stress internal imbalances. So blood sugar, are you on the blood sugar roller coaster? Do you have a gut imbalance that's stimulating cortisol? So for them, exercise is just one extra thing on top of all these other things. And then it just can impact and throw off your cycle and throw off your thyroid because the adrenals, which makes our stress hormone, they have the same communication as thyroid. So the hypothalamus and pituitary speaks to adrenals, it speaks to your thyroid. So when you're have the stressor, which is a stressor that and I'm, I'm talking mostly like cardio women that like are running all the time. And there's other types of exercises that can be really helpful. If you're in a stressful state, we're not saying don't move, but we're say, saying choose different movement like yoga, Pilates, things that are more gentle um, in this season of your life. And that's another point to take is in this season of your life, like what worked for you last year, what worked for you in the summer or spring of two years ago may not be the season you're in now. And we just have to learn how to pivot and go with the flow and change things. So we tend to have the common recommendation, depending on the woman, of let's slow down. Let's slow down on the cardio. Let's do more restorative movement. Let's increase some strength training because strength training is the anti-aging secret. If you want one, there it is. It's strength training gaining muscle, you age well, it protects your bones as you get older, um, protects your metabolism. Like if you want to boost your metabolism, build muscle. So we are such fans of strength training, but even that can sometimes be overdone um, depending on how you are handling all the other things in your life. And if you're fueling yourself, 
with exercise because those two things of over-exercising, under-eating will absolutely throw off your hormones because your body's in a stressed out state. It's not going to say, hey, now's a really good time to get pregnant and ovulate. No, it's going to say there's some dangerous stuff out here, even though it's just not getting enough food and exercising. That's just how our brain works. I mean, I know everything is so bio-individual, but anything that you see across the board as being beneficial? I want to say like, oh, things like ashwagandha and stuff, but honestly, those lower cortisol, and sometimes we see women with too low cortisol, so that's not an herb you want to take. So I I don't know if I have any herbs outside of your typical like chamomile. Um, That's a pretty safe herb if you're feeling stressed and you need to calm down. Love chamomile for that sense. Um, But outside of that, it it is kind of individualized. Um, I think too, just even instead of herbs, because I mean, plants are medicine. They are very powerful. Um, You can at least start with nutrients. Um, So if you're feeling more stressed out, um, definitely going to need more electrolytes, more sodium or potassium or magnesium, all of these things. Vitamin C is really important. Your adrenals really suck it up. So if you're stressed, you need extra of it. It's going to create more of a demand. Nutrient deficiencies happen because there's a supply and demand issue. So you got to make sure if you're in just any season of like extra, so you're feeling extra stressed or maybe you're working out harder or you're pregnant, right? The demand is higher. We need to make sure that we're addressing that. So you know, I think a multivitamin can be really helpful to cover bases, but, you know, just assessing in those regards of not forgetting those minerals and electrolytes are really important too. Oh, I love that. I've never heard that about vitamin C. That's fascinating. So definitely drink all your vitamin C and take it when you're just in a really stressed out season. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Okay. So we are getting close to the end. Do you have anything Anything that we didn't touch on or anything that you feel called to share with the audience that you really want them to remember from this talk? Yeah, I think honing back into the nutrition side of things, you know, something we see is under eating and I don't, a lot of it's not because they're trying, it's just simply because they are quote unquote following hunger cues, which this is why I I semi hate intuitive eating because I just feel like women that come to us are not in the place to intuitive eat yet. You can get there, but I think sometimes you need to push yourself more because we see a lot of women that are like, oh, I'm following hunger cues. I'm not hungry at all. And I'm eating. And when we really go dive deep into it, I'm like, you're eating 1200 calories, which is like what a toddler needs. And we're not a a practice that obsesses about numbers. We don't look at food in that way. But I think it can be really enlightening for some women who just have a history of dieting or, um, never really realized how much food you eat. And I would say that's 99% of a recommendation in our practice is eat more. We need to fuel. Food is fuel. Food is gas. You want your metabolism to work to lose weight? Eat. You want to support your hormones? Eat. You want to have good digestion? Eat. Like we need to eat. And so if that's my biggest takeaway for you is to like work with someone, really understand how much you need, especially for your lifestyle with your movement that you do, your exercise, everything else that can happen. If you're in that reproductive life of having babies, this is really important. Our hormones are fueled by it. Um, so just eat, 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 eat. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I'm sure the listener loves hearing that as well. Lahana, thank you so much. (laughs) Where can our listener find out more about you and connect with you online? 
Yes. Um, you can find us on Instagram. That's our favorite place at new V true wellness and new V I T R U wellness. Um, and then you can find out more about like how we work and what we do on our website at www.newvtruewellness.com and our podcast. If you're a podcast listener, obviously you are, um, we are functional nutrition radio, but we'll also be doing a new podcast too for any women in power. Um, so we're really excited about that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I enjoyed this conversation so much. I always do when I learn something new and you just dropped so much knowledge. So from the bottom of my curious heart, thank you so much. Thank you. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.